0: This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the Howa Business Podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more
1: information. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode
0: of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Steve Smith. Steve, welcome
1: to the show. Henry, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to
0: it. So are we. So are we. Thanks for being with us. Um, After a stellar 30-year career in the consumer products manufacturing industry, Steve converted his knowledge and experience into a successful business and executive coaching company. In 2008, he opened Growth Source Coaching uh, in Orange County, California. Steve draws business clients from around the world and has served over 400 to date. That number is growing daily. Uh, His specialties are in leadership, management, and marketing, and they make him an ideal coach to help professionals who want to become world-class business owners or company executives. Steve co-hosts a radio program simulcast on Blog Talk Radio and Google Hangouts On Air, and he writes articles for several online publications and has been a frequent guest on many business media outlets. In his spare time, Steve and his wife travel on their motorcycle and care for their adopted Greyhound and visit the grandkids as much as possible. But they live in Orange County, California. And so in this uh, episode, we're going to chat about Steve's entrepreneurial journey, how he got to where he is today, and then focus in on this topic of improving performance, especially for us as small business owners. He's got some great insights that obviously he brings to bear when he coaches his clients on helping us improve our performance that then, of course, leads to business growth and other opportunities. So once again, Steve Smith, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much. So you're in uh, Orange County, correct? I am. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful place to live, uh, largely due to the climate yeah. Um I grew up on the East Coast and I love the East Coast, but the climate there is not uh, always that good. <laughs> right, right. Where where on the East Coast did you grow up? Uh I was born in DC, grew up most of my life in Maryland and the kind of the okay. surrounding suburbs there, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely part of the country but not not quite the the weather of Orange County. Um, well, good. Let's get into it then. Starting back then, you, you got a bachelor's in business management, if I've got that right.
1: Yes. Um, I actually, when I went to college, I, like most kids, um, I, I kind of struggled a bit with where I was supposed to go. And, and I actually started a, a degree in accounting and, okay. and realized very quickly uh, through some, some advisement and counseling from people at the college I went to that that was probably not going to be a good fit for me. Um, so I I transitioned into more of what I considered something that I could really put my arms around and it turned out to be, uh, to business management, uh, and it served me well. Um, it it was something that I I could really identify with. And it was interesting because at the time I did that, I wasn't really like, again, most people, you know, 19, 20 years old, I wasn't really thinking about where all this was going to take me. Uh, and I look back on it now and I think, man, somebody smarter than me was looking over me because it was a perfect fit that I didn't see in the moment.
0: Why was it such a perfect fit now in hindsight?
1: Well, I actually have always had entrepreneurial mindset in a spirit. You know, as, as far back as I can remember, I was always looking for ways to to make money, to provide a service or do something that I could parlay into Uh, you know, extra cash, uh, you know, part-time income, things of that nature. Uh, But um, I realized early on that I just didn't know enough about business. I, I hadn't had enough formal experience to really feel comfortable kind of going out on my own. So as a result, I spent 30 years and I had a wonderful career and learned an absolute ton working for companies like General Mills and Lysol Chemical. And I was with a small pharmaceutical company for a while. And each one of those particular journeys just added to my repertoire of knowing what to do. And so when I finally realized that having that business management degree as a foundation for some really, really good formal experience, when I finally got out of the corporate world in 2008, um, I-, I was totally prepared to go on my own. It was like it was, there wasn't even a second thought about doing this.
0: Was the timing, sometimes we feel like the timing was just right. And sometimes we think, "Well, I could have done that a lot earlier. What What was your situation when you
1: look back at it? Well, that's a good question because I hear that quite frequently. And in my case, the timing was perfect. If I had attempted to do that 10 years earlier, I probably would not have had the confidence or the level of excess that I enjoy today. Yeah.
0: Let's touch on that for a moment, Steve, because confidence is such a a key component I hear from a lot of people. And as you know, you as Mike, myself have studied this and helping our clients. So how big of a role have you found then in yourself and in others that you coach that confidence plays in becoming a successful business owner?
1: Uh, I would have to say that along with other more popular attributes today, I know you you probably hear and read people talking about uh, things like emotional intelligence, which I believe is is critical to be successful in any venue you go to. I think the, the either second or third thing in line is your level of confidence about what you're planning to do. It doesn't mean you need to know exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to do it every step of the way. What it means is that you have enough of, of a foundation and you've seen and done and experienced enough things that put in an area of where you feel like you're in totally uncharted territory, you could figure your way out. Yeah.
0: The thing that's such a hard thing to to balance, as we just talked about, is when do we have? How long do we use that sometimes excuse for? Oh no, I need more experience. I need more training. I need more education before I launch into doing my own thing. And that's it's a tricky thing, and it's an individual thing, isn't it?
1: It is an individual thing, and I find many times, and and for a lot of really good reasons, uh, people will leave formal careers, and maybe they need to go back and get a new education in, in something else because they've kind of they've kind of uh pigeonholed themselves in a particular function or a particular career path that there doesn't have a lot of wide application anywhere else. So okay so that makes a lot of sense. But frequently I find people go back and get more learning and more training and more learning and more training and they just build up a lot of these academic certifications. And they're no closer to feeling confident about going out on their own than the day they started. They're, they're just, they're buying time. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very expensive way to procrastinate. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All
0: right, so what happens in 2008? Was there an event or a series of things? Or what, what was it that led you to finally say, it's time for me to start my own business?
1: <laughs> well, I had worked for, the last corporation I'd worked for was, um, was the largest manufacturer in the world of burial caskets. Interesting. A very unusual industry. And I learned a ton, made a lot of great friends, uh, experienced some some things that I had not seen before in my, my other career ventures. And what uh, business,
0: what company was that? If you uh, don't mind. No, it was
1: called Batesville Castle. Bate, yeah, Batesville, I figured as yeah. much. And, uh, and and huge company, uh, really, really at the top of their game in terms of what they do. Uh, but it was a very cloistered industry, meaning if you were from the outside coming in, it was very difficult to acclimate to living and working in that type of an environment. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I I did some great things there, learned a lot, met a lot of good people, but at the end of my six years, I just, you know, the travel was killing me to start with. Uh, and I just decided, you know what, this is not how I want to spend the rest of my really youthful, vibrant years in my career. So uh, we parted company in 2008. Um, uh, in the moment, I just said, OK, I'm just going to find uh, another company, you know, another manufacturer here locally, maybe on the West Coast, kind of trim down my travel, you know, be around a little more with the with the family. And uh, in the process of doing that, uh, I mistakenly ran into a lady who was a consultant that helped executives figure out what kind of business model they would be perfectly suited for. Hmm. I worked with her for about four or five weeks. She was the one that came back and introduced me to coaching. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's like okay, I've seen this before. Haven't really taken advantage of it. I know it exists at the real highest levels of most corporations. You know, certainly celebrities and 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 other you know people in the in the public eye have been you know talked about getting coaches for various things. And she said, "Look, I've looked at your background. I've looked at the things you've done, the people you've done it with. You are perfectly suited for doing this." Interesting. And that's and what so- I jumped into it.
0: Yeah, and so then um, that segued you into that and you started the practice. Uh, So what what were some of the early challenges or did you immediately line up clients? Just tell me a little bit about that experience of first building your your business, your consulting business.
1: Okay, so this is interesting because when I first learned about this and decided to, to go off in this direction, one of the things I realized was, okay, I'm going to be starting from scratch. I mean, I have nothing... Uh, formally prepared, no processes, no materials, nothing like that. Hmm. So I started looking around, and I ended up finding a a, a coaching franchise, ah. and it was a small franchise. It was it was there were neophytes in the franchising world. You know, I think at their at their height they had 28 franchises around the country, which is very very small for any kind of a national presence. And um, but I love their philosophy. I love the way they kind of. Focused on certain things for entrepreneurs to try to to start up and run businesses. So I bought into it. Again, learned a massive amount about an area of, of business that I had not been formally introduced to. Because you know, when you're in the corporate life, depending on the industry you're in, you're kind of in tracks. You're in channels. You know all your customers. You know all your competition. You see them at conventions. You pass them in the airport. I mean, after a while, you just kind of think you're in an alternative universe because you don't tend to see anything else that doesn't affect your industry and your client channels. And so when I got out into the wild world of small business, I'm thinking, oh, my God, what's going on here? And so these guys were they were great. The the only problem was they they were so young and they still had so much things to do to become stable as a franchise company that they didn't make it. And in in March of March actually March seventh of, of two thousand eleven uh, they formally closed the doors and and basically went bankrupt. So here's so all right think about this. What do you do when you've you've invested? At that point, I figured I had I pumped about a hundred grand into this thing. What do you do when you own a franchise and the mothership goes down? Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
0: I mean, most people either they try to start their own thing related to it or they go find another franchise or or, or
1: quit, I suppose. Well, interestingly enough, the with the exception of another guy locally that I was working with, everybody else in that franchise went back to whatever life they were doing before they decided to get into that. Really? And yeah, and I'm sitting here at my desk at 8:30 in the morning. I just got off the phone with the 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 founder of the company who who I know personally and and he basically gave me the news and you know the phone call lasted all about 12 minutes and I hang up, my wife comes in with a cup of coffee and she sees me sitting there my face is like absence of any blood and um and she says what happened and I said the company's gone. They ju- they just closed their doors. We're out of business. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, let's put all this money. I've just spent two and a half years. I mean, now I'm back to square one. She looks at me. She says, you're telling me all the time that the clients you that you bring on stay with you way beyond the initial program because right. they like working with you. Why don't you just do your own thing?
0: It seems so straightforward to her, didn't it? Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And that's what started. You know, I, uh, 30 days, I repurposed everything. I took all the materials and the things that I had uh that I had acquired and uh, rebranded. And 30 days later, I came out with Growth Source Coaching. And quite honestly, I I don't think I would have ever gotten to the level I'm at now had I stayed with the franchise.
0: Amazing. Isn't that interesting how that worked out uh, yeah. in your favor, as it turns out? Very interesting. Uh, quite a quite a path. So let's dive into a little bit now more the one of the key areas, which is improving performance. You have a lot of practice areas, but certainly the one that was of most interest to us was what you do to help small business owners improve their performance. And I'd like to start by, if you would define for me what, how you define performance coaching, particularly in the context of a small business owner.
1: Okay. It, it, this is how I boil it down. And and I take a lot of this from my early years in sports. Um, you know, when I look back at that the, that, the college days, so to speak, um I realized that I was not an academic superstar, okay? Um, what I really defined myself largely in was was the field of sports. Um, I, I went to school on a football scholarship, and I played you know track and field since I was in eighth grade all the way through college. and that was really my first love, very individualized sport, but it was really what drove me to push myself, And to define myself for the things that I was successful in. So I draw a lot on that. And what I try to get people to realize is it's not when you you choose a business to get started in, you should be choosing something that you're familiar with, that you feel like you have a background in, that you know something about. But at some point, it's not what you know. It's what you're able to do that counts you can rack up a lot of intelligence and understanding and knowledge and things like that. But if you don't put any of that into practice, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
0: So not what you know, it's what you're able to do. Yes. So, and, and I have to believe, and I'm just writing a note there, uh, that, that discipline that you acquired as an athlete, although you played a team sport, so some of it was team, but a lot of it was self-discipline Which, of course, is part of the challenge when we first start a business as small business owners. We, of course, then do it all because we have to out of necessity. Yes. But it's that transition to leadership and leading others that is often such a struggle, right?
1: That not only is that a struggle, but in in the infancy of starting a business when you're your own person, you know, you're wearing all the hats. You really have to think in terms of how am I leading myself? How, How am I establishing a vision for where I'm trying to take this business? What am I focusing on along the way that's actually meaningful and driving the business down the road that I want to take it? Or am I getting all in the weeds and getting, you know, just filling my day with a lot of second level minutia that in the moment seems important, but at the end of the week or the month isn't moving the ball down the field?
0: Yeah. Okay so performance coaching in the context of a small business owner again is is it is it improving the how or what you do is that is that essentially what you're saying
1: Yes it's it, look it, it, if you boil down any kind of business entity the two things that you you must be able to get your arms around is running the company you have to be able to run the organization you've built the the model you've established for going to market you have to run it and you have to be able to grow it. Right. And and running it means management and growing it means marketing. Yeah.
0: So and I know a lot of clients come to you when they're at that point where they just feel like they're stagnant perhaps or don't know where to go next. A question I had as I was doing the preparation is how how do I know as a small business owner what are some of those indications that tell me You've taken, I've taken it as far as I can go and now I need help, whether it's help in developing myself or help by bringing in others. It's hard when you're in it to often see it. So what are some of those clues that I should be looking for to help me realize I need help? Okay.
1: One of the things I see quite frequently, and it it really, it it, it it affects businesses at all levels because you're right. Everybody gets to a point where they need to reassess what their capabilities are at that point. But for people in early phases, there's a a phenomenon that I call drift. And when you start seeing that the amount of time you're spending working on your business, not necessarily being in it, but working on it, starts to drift. You start spending less time thinking about the kind of marketing you need to do, the kind of clients you need to be aligning yourself with, the kind of ways you need to be putting yourself out there in order to attract people that want to do business with you. When you, when mentally you start drifting from thinking about that every single day of every single week, that's when you're starting to get into rough territory. Mm-hmm.
0: And drifting because instead you are bogged down with the day to day, or you've lost interest, or you don't know where to focus, or all of that.
1: Well, it, it could be getting bogged down in a lot of day to day minutiae and that happens. But what frequently happens is people become kind of distracted and overwhelmed with the whole idea that, gee, I just don't know what I don't know, and it doesn't seem to matter what I do. I just can't seem to go anywhere. So there's a little bit of disillusionment that kind of comes in. And people start replacing time on their calendar from very concentrated activities in growing the business and working on improving the business to other outside activities that are more enjoyable to them.
0: Yeah. And so that could be in part that they've burned out on this particular business or they or like you said, they're disillusioned. They thought they would be at a certain point by now and they're not, so it starts to become tedious. Have you found when you work with people that are at that point business owners that it that a an adjustment of mindset usually solves it? Or sometimes I guess it's time to move on from that business. But tell us a little bit about more what you find there is usually the solution to that rut that you can get into.
1: Okay. When people, and think about this, because you've probably gone through this yourself in early years, when you latch on to a new idea, uh, a proposal or something, maybe, you know, your friends, your family say, gee, you ought to start a business. You're really good at this. People would love this. And they kind of get you all wound up. And so all of a sudden now in your own head, you're thinking, wow, I can make a business out of this. I could be really good. I could be financially free. You know, all the stuff that people tell you is the reason why you want to get into a business. All right. So you're kind of emotionally charged. You're really ramped up. You're thinking, wow, I can do this. You're motivating yourself. Well, at some point, and I find it's usually between two and five years that that motivation starts to slide and the reality and the gravity of what you've taken on starts to become really clear. And that's what gets in people's heads. And so they either become disillusioned, they become overwhelmed. They just they just like, oh God, I just don't want to do this anymore. Just, I just need to find something to offload this so I can get back to a lifestyle where I don't have to worry. I don't have to deal with all these issues. So when I run into somebody like that, the very first thing I have to do is kind of walk them back to where they were when this became a good idea Mm. and say, look, let's go back and relive the things that made this worth getting into and all the things you brought to the party at the time that were your real strengths, that were the drivers of this initial business and get people to really think about why they got into it and reconnect themselves with the journey. Because if I can't get them back to that, I can shovel strategy at them all day long and nothing's going to stick. Right, right.
0: And so, and, and again, so that is then what opens up our vision for the future and where we want to take the business, and then we can start to see those things and get reinvigorated, and that usually does the trick, is what you're saying. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. yes.
0: All right. Um, the other thing that you talk about a lot that was of interest to me here is distractions. We <laughs> that applies to anybody, but certainly it applies to small business owners. And uh, in fact, I, I was listening to a talk you did specifically on the topic of distractions and managing distractions talk to us about that if you would especially for small business owners how to do that why it's such an issue and how some tips and techniques for managing distractions
1: okay um, first uh, i've determined and you you know you could talk to different people and give different opinions on this but i've determined that distractions are largely a self-induced phenomenon mm. okay nobody suffers from distractions that they can't control You may not recognize what you're doing that creates the distraction, but for most people, distractions are a choice. They've they've opted to allow certain things into their field of view or to get in their way or to find some place on their agenda as as a result of not being really clear and committed about what they're there to do. So distractions are basically a way of saying, I'm not real sure where I'm going. I'm not sure I want to take on what's in front of me, so I'm going to invite all these other lesser things that are really more interesting to me to get in my way so I can distract myself.
0: Yeah. I also find I use it sometimes to avoid the hard thing that I need to do.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, when you're when you're distracted, it's because you're not focused. You don't have a sense of priority. What's really important And a lot of times when I work with people in these areas that I take them back to, Okay, tell me what's really important about what you're doing right now. Let's get really, really clear and let's connect that to what you're all about as the person driving this this ship. I call that really getting in touch with your calling. Okay, so here's an example. You, You hear a lot of people talk about passion. And I think passion is important. It's, it's kind of the fuel that keeps you going, that keeps you motivated to, to do what you're doing. But passion is very emotionally driven. And, and over my own lifetime, my, my passions have, have changed. You know, they rotate. They, I, I go from one thing to the next. But my calling has always remained constant because I understand inherently what I'm here to do, what I'm good at, what other people value. And I just stay on that straight line. And once you really develop that, it's much easier to cull out the distractions because now you recognize them for what they are. They're just low level. They're unimportant. They just rob you of time.
0: So could you give me an example of how you do that? You, you have a very clear vision of your calling. Yes. Do you then, how do you plan your day, for example, to make sure that you minimize those distractions and and you prioritize effectively.
1: Okay, I have two things that I work with that have helped me largely kind of get through all the, the typical ups and downs of starting and running a business. I have a priority worksheet, which allows me on one side of the page to list all the stuff that's in front of me. It doesn't matter how important or how menial it is. But on the other side, it allows me to take those things going down the list and put them in boxes according to what I really need to be doing now, what I need to schedule for this week, what I need to hand off to somebody else, and what I need to just forget about. And once you get things laid out like that, it gives you an order to look at and say, okay, I need to be spending my time in the top two boxes, not in the bottom one.
0: Okay. Do you do that uh, for the week and then on a daily basis? Tell me about how you practically do that.
1: Okay. I, I start working with that on Friday afternoon. Okay. And there's been times when I've, uh, it, I've done it on Sunday afternoon. Yep. Sometimes you don't have a lot of times. But the point is you want to have that ready to go before you hit the ground Monday morning. Yeah. Once you get your priorities in shape, your top boxes, your top two boxes, then I look at each one of those and say, okay, if that's worth doing, that needs to take ownership on my calendar someplace. So I will look at my calendar for the next week or for the following week and say, okay, how much time am I going to do to getting that done and when is it going to get done? And I put it on my calendar and I, I put it around my, my client calls, my, my, my pre-agreed you know, networking events, other things that I've established on the calendar that are now showing up for that next week. So I populate my calendar with specific tasks and activities that I know are at the top of the list. So once I get the calendar built, The calendar is my boss. If it's on the calendar, it gets done. If it's not on the calendar, I'm not sure it's going to get done. But I train myself because I know if I don't have any organization like that, I am just kind of opening myself up to whatever whims show up in the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, great insights here. Great tips and techniques. I think the the other thing I try to do is is reward myself once I've accomplished one of those big tasks with those other little things that are distractions and entertainment or whatever, so that there's a balance for myself. That okay, that seems so, to work for me.
1: Yes, and and let me add something to that because this is another area that a lot of people in business totally miss. You're you're like a you're like a fuel cell, okay which means you can run hard or long for only so much, so much time. And at some point, you have to rejuvenate. You have to recharge if you're going to keep operating at that peak performance level. And most people don't do that. They start at 6 in the morning. They work till 10 o'clock at night. They do it six, seven days a week. All of a sudden, two months goes by, and they're in major burnout, and they can't figure out why. So the other thing to remember is throughout the day, there is no more important way to spend 20 minutes than to get out of your office, mm-hmm. go take a walk. Yeah. You know, if, if you're close to a gym, you wanna spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes going working out. I have clients now that do that You know, at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, but guess what, it works for them. It gives them enough mental acuity and physical stamina to drive through the other stuff that it's not the pleasant stuff to do, but it's the necessary stuff to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what you need to do to get there. Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. So staying on the the topic of peak performance, you talk about something you call the C-Zone. Would you introduce that?
1: C-Zone is my version of operating in a peak performance state. And, you know, if, if you're if you're listening to you know, major league business gurus like Tony Robbins, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, peak performance. And for me, peak performance in the C-Zone, it boils down to a couple things, actually three. There's three components of this. First, there's the clarity aspect. Do you know what you're best able to do and are you doing it all the time? Mm. Are you really clear about why you're doing this and why it's important for you, what that connection is? Okay. Then you have the confidence level. Are you bringing enough of your strengths, your capacity to the to, to the event or the, the, the task that you're doing that you know, even if you don't have all the answers right there, that you can get through it and produce your best work? So you've got clarity, you've got confidence, and then you've got certainty. The certainty part is I may not know everything that I need to know right now. In fact, right now, one of the things I'm engaged in is writing a book. And that is a horrific experience because there are so many things to consider. And it, I can see why people just stop and give up because it's, it's overwhelming. But if you have the, the, if the, the certainty of outcome, you know, if you just start on a process that you're comfortable with, that you're confident in, the certainty will show up, meaning the end result you're looking for will in fact happen. That's what's operating in the C-Zone is all about.
0: Clarity, confidence, and certainty. Yes. Right. Um, So the confidence we touched on earlier, obviously, and that comes over time. And then the certainty is, I know I can get through this. I know I can complete this. I know I can grow this business. I know I can start this business. Um, the clarity, does that tie back to the point of having your, your vision or I forget what you call your calling and making sure that that's clear and that it's in alignment with that?
1: Yes. And, and here's one thing that I'll do with many clients early on in our engagement, because a lot of people come to me and they say, okay, this is what I want. Uh, this is where I'm trying to go. You know, I, I really don't know how to get there. And of course, my first question is, how do you know this is what you want? You know, a lot of people can be driven by other opinions, by emotions, by, by dreams, by all kinds of things that can conjure up some picture in their head. And my job is to help them validate that so that they are willing to stick with that and go the distance. Yeah. So I'll tell for, for people that are in executive roles, especially, I'll start out by saying, OK, I, want, I don't want you to send me a bio or a resume or, or a CV or anything like that. I want you to write on one piece of paper one sheet of paper, no more. I want you to tell me who you are. Hmm. I want you to get really, really clear about what you want people to know you for.
0: And I suspect often you get not what they really think, but what they think the, it's just another varnished version of their resume or their public uh, version of it. It's not who they really are or want to be, is it?
1: Yes, no, it's it's usually a, a kind of a rehash of what they've done right, right. and not who they see themselves as. And of course what I'm trying to do is get them to shed the who what I've done. Because you know, if you're trying if you're kind of offloading a formal career and you're going into that wild world of, of small business, you know, you've got to shed a whole bunch of stuff. I had to do it myself. And so you've got to really get clear about who you are and what you want people to know you for because that is what personal branding is all about. Yeah.
0: All right. So, Steve, part of being in the C zone—clarity, confidence, certainty—and being able to achieve and grow a business, part of it is, as we talked about earlier, letting go of and beginning to delegate the stuff that doesn't add value or doesn't move you forward or isn't within your zone. Talk to us about that, because that's something that we as small business owners, including myself, struggle with, is beginning to delegate so that we can actually grow. Uh, how were you challenged with it, and how do you help people overcome that resistance to delegating?
1: Okay, here's a great example on that. You know, like most small businesses, I've handed off things that I just choose not to do because I'm not, that's not my area of expertise. So accounting goes, you know, taxes go, all that kind of stuff goes. Um I started about three years ago working on an online marketing strategy. Number one, I needed it for myself. Number two, I get a fair amount of professional service companies like, like lawyers and, and, and medical professionals that come to me and say, you know, we need, we need help marketing. So, you know, how do you do that? So I, I obviously had to figure out how it would work for me before I could tell anybody else how to make it work for them. Right. And I built this whole system and it's phenomenal. It works today. I mean, most of the business I get is off the internet. People never met me before. And, and they're huge companies. And I love working with them. And I recognize the value of this. But what caused me to get into the weeds was I was trying to manage this thing every single day of every single week. And I couldn't keep up with it. Hmm. And anybody that knows marketing knows one of the one of the, the tenets is if you're not doing it consistently, it's not going to work. Right. So I finally... Found a you know I went out and and looked you know for a part-time person and I, I found this lady and and turns out that she did this kind of stuff and I just handed over the whole system to her I said look here here's my library of content you know articles videos podcasts you know here's what I want and and here's what you know I want you to do every single week and here's what I'll pay you to do and and I've she's been working for me for about a year and a half and she is the one that's driven my online presence because she does it and all I do is stand back and watch it because she's much better at it than I could have been.
0: Yeah. One of the challenges, and I've talked about this repeatedly on our show, is that we tend to look at it as an expense when we delegate or bring someone on or hire someone or outsource something instead of as an investment.
1: Yes. And here's the thing that a lot of people, and you're right, people look at it as an expense. And what what I typically say is, what what, what is it costing you not to have people who do this better than you take this off your plate so you can focus on the bigger issues that are affecting your business. Yeah. And they, people don't tend to think that way. They think about the immediate outlay of cash. Well, that's important. I mean, we, we shouldn't downplay that. Right. But typically, what I find is many times the reason people hold on to a lot of things in running a business, even when they've hired people to do it, they're still doing it themselves is because they don't have any more important things to replace their time with. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Okay, so we'll take a slightly personal turn here. I'd like to ask you what you love most about what you do today.
1: As I said when I when I got into my corporate career, I learned a lot of things, okay? I learned about, you know, marketing and branding and new product launches and 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 building, you know, Marked teams and marketplaces. I mean, I, I had a wonderful career that served as an education and personal development, things like that. One of the things I realized uh, pretty much along the way um, was, you know, when you're part of a large organization, you're just, you're one, you're one cog in the big, the big clockwork. And so many times the things that you feel are your best effort, your own personal stamp on success. Don't ever get realized because you've got this big giant team all collaborating to get something out the door. So when I got into coaching, I realized for the first time the things that I inherently know I can do well and I can offer up to other people. That's that's why I do this. Mm -hmm. I don't really I don't really care to be in the limelight for a lot of the accomplishment, the end result. I like to look at myself as the wingman. You know, I'm the one sitting in the second seat. But if I can just get this person to understand enough about what they should be doing and avoid the things that will typically take them out and they will see the successes that they never thought they could get to, that's my personal driver. Yeah.
0: And it's like you said, doing what you do well, you've found that I have to believe that when you coach people, when they get themselves doing what they do well, that leads to being happy, fulfilled, productive? Is that what you have found?
1: Oh, let me tell you, when <clears throat> the, the actual phone calls change over time, you know, we usually when usually about the five to the seventh month, you start seeing a different or hearing a different person on the other end of the line. They're now taking responsibility for the calls. They're not now directing the the activity and the things that they want to take on. You can feel it and you can hear it. And when you start seeing that, what you're starting to realize is that okay, they've they've morphed into the business person that they always wanted to be, but never thought they could get there. They're now living it. Yeah.
0: All right, Steve. So give us the brief elevator pitch, if you will. We've touched on some of it, but um, the summary of what services you offer through Growth Source Coaching.
1: Okay, my my coaching practice, as we talked about earlier, is, is what I call performance-based. It's not based on theory. It's not based on tons of, of tests and surveys. It's actually getting down in the trenches and saying, let's talk about what you really want to do, what's really keeping you from getting there, and what you need to learn in order to accelerate your development. Because if you can't go any faster with me than without me, then there's no reason for me to be here. Mm-hmm. So I boil down getting businesses in a very professional area or a very successful area to basically three things. And these are the three things I specialize in. Leadership, which is getting the most out of the team that you've hired and that's working in your organization. Management, are you running things in the smoothest, most streamlined, uh, capable effect so that you're, you're you're producing at your capacity level and you're making money doing it? And then marketing, do you know who, you, who your clients are? You know, if you're out there marketing to everybody, you're not resonating with anybody. So getting really clear and focused in those three areas of running it, marketing it, and leading the team that, that you've now got, you know, doing a lot of the things within it, that's the essence. And most people, they want to be thought of. And this is interesting. I didn't, I didn't see this early on, but most people just really want to be thought of as good operators. Mm. They want to be looked at as being successful business owners. They don't need to be making $100 million a year. But within that community that they walk around in, they just want people to know that, hey, I know what I'm doing. I can affect a positive outcome for myself and for everybody who works for me. So if you're not there and if there are things that are getting in your way and you can't figure out how to get out of the loop that you're in, that's when you need to bring me in and help you see what that looks like and figure out a path out. Yeah.
0: So leadership management and marketing, the management part, I think, ties a lot to systems and implementing systems and managing those systems and make sure you have a team that's doing so. The marketing part, you know, often we need help, but we can get that help. You know, it's readily available, like the program that you offer. Yes. It seems to me that it's this, the leadership part that's probably the hardest for someone. Um And have you found that sometimes people need to step out of the way and bring in a leader? Or have you always been able to get people to become a better leader and take over that role within their growing company?
1: I have to date not found anybody that does not have leadership potential. What I find is like the first hurdle to get over is is the person that's in the leadership role do they want to be the leader? Mm. That's really the hiccup. Most leadership uh, components or skills or or things like that can be taught and worked with and practiced and and developed to some level of, of proficiency and competency. What I find many times is the people that get in the leadership roles, all of a sudden they find themselves at the top of the heap, so to speak. They're not always Desiring to be the leader, even though they are the owner of the company, what they do drives the direction of the company. They have to. You have to figure out if if you could be, if you could learn how to do it and be successful at it. Do you want to be there? Yeah. Because if you don't want to be there, then let's just go right to hiring somebody and pay them a hundred grand a year to come in and run the business for you.
0: Right. Bring in a CEO at that time and yeah. let the, you become the chairman and you step back. Right. Why is it sorry to interrupt but why why is it that some people don't want that? Don't because, want to become the leader of their business.
1: Okay. The the reason that I have found is that as people progress in their career path or their the development of their business, at some point, many times without realizing it, you walk over this line from technical application and expertise to people development and understanding And people that walk over that line and find themselves in that people area now are the ones that usually deep down inside just are so uncomfortable giving direction, providing feedback, asking questions, listening, helping to solve problems and dealing with conflicts. It's all people related. And people that, that get into that area and they just fundamentally, they're, they're very uncomfortable with putting themselves out there, with expressing themselves, with with admitting, you know, fault, um, with helping other people reach a level of success that they may not be at themselves. That's all what leaders do. And some people just have such a, uh, such internal problems putting themselves out there, exposing themselves, being able to learn on the fly, and being able to offer up and help other people do things that, that they just, they collapse. Yeah. And 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 unfortunately, that's a wiring diagram problem that I can't fix.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's such great insight here, Steve, because I think that we, as small business owners, we put this incredible pressure on ourselves that we all must become leaders. But it's exactly what you're saying is that for some of us, for some people, When they get there, they're miserable trying to play that role. Yes. And it's probably better for them to not try to fake it and instead bring in someone and, and, you know, take a more uh, behind the scenes role or direction role at a different level and let somebody else play that role of leader for the organization. But it's hard, I think, for a business owner to admit that you are not a quote unquote leader in this sense.
1: Yes. And here's the real sad part about that is while that particular owner is walking around trying to play the role, not doing it well, not feeling confident at all in it, okay, and, and just figuring out how long they can last flying under the radar, everybody else in their organization already has already sized them up yeah. and figured it out. <laughs> they already know, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. So all,
0: all that person's doing is making themselves miserable for no no productive results anyway.
1: Right. The, the people around them would gladly say, you know, step out of the way and let one of us do it, bring somebody in from the outside. But let's just get this thing rocking and rolling so we can all feel good about the organization we've put, we're playing a part in. Yeah, wonderful insights.
0: All right. Uh, I'd like to ask you for a book recommendation that comes to mind that you would recommend to us.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> for and i'll give you a couple real quick here for people that are in the throes of starting a business here's one i recommend highly uh, the author and you can find him on youtube he's got a lot of really great videos out there his name is simon sinek and he wrote a book called start with why this fact in fact i think it was one of his first books he's written a bunch of them since then but this one is a really really great book to help people figure out why have you chosen to do what you're about to do get really clear about why you're doing this, because if you're living this, if you're going to you know, go down this path, you need to be really connected to that reason. So that's a real good one. If you're in a leadership executive role, here's another good one. Um, it was written by one of the probably the top business coach consultants in the U.S. today. His name is Marshall Goldsmith. He wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it's a fascinating read because his whole premise is, and we, we talked about this in the show today, everybody at some point in their career has learned everything they need to know and it's gotten all the experience they need to have. The things that keep them from continuing to improve and be successful are the things they personally do, which alienate the people around them. Yeah. And he talks about that.
0: Yeah. Great recommendation. Start with why is one of my favorites. And, but I have not read uh, what got you here. will What got you here won't get you there. I need to put that one on the list. So we'll have links to both of those books on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. Cool. Fantastic. All right. We'll wrap it up here. Last parting thought or advice, specifically as we've been trying to focus on this area of improving performance for a small business owner. Anything I didn't ask about or any last thought on that?
1: Um, yeah, one of the things that was was provided to me in my early years from the the mentors that I had. Uh, one guy in particular basically told me one time. He goes, "If you're going to move forward in your career and and develop and and get into the things that you ultimately want to do, he goes, at every step of the way, find some way to learn from everybody you come in contact with." Hmm. Find ways to broaden your experience, even if it isn't directly involved with the very task or the very position you have at that time. Because take the opportunity to learn from others what they do well, what they don't do well. Because at some point later on, when you have to draw back on your experience, these things are going to pop up. You're going to say, oh, my God, I've been here before. What did I learn that I can apply going forward?
0: I love that. And, and, and just about everybody has something to
1: offer that we can learn. Yes.
0: All right, Steve, where would you like uh, our listeners to go online to find out more about you and about your business?
1: Uh, you can go directly to my website, which is www.growthsourcecoaching.com. Um, if from listening to what you were talking about today, if you're experiencing this kind of stuff, don't just continue to live with this. This is what I find people do. They think there's no way out. I'm just going to live with this. Right. Go, I, I offer a service where you can go on, you can schedule some time with me. And I'll after you tell me what's going on, I'll give you things that you can work on to improve yourself. So that that's available. All you got to do a sign up for it on the, the website. Um, I have a, a YouTube channel, uh, the Growth Source Coaching uh, YouTube channel. There's about forty five videos on there. You can watch for various things. You can learn how to delegate. You can learn how to deal with conflict. There's a lot of things you can pick up. So you know, I invite people to go there. And lastly, if you want to connect up with me, I'm on LinkedIn. uh, Steve Smith, just type that in. Steve Smith Growth Source Coaching, and and just connect with me. And uh, I put a lot of, I publish a lot of things on there for people to read.
0: Perfect, and we'll have links to all of that at the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com. Steve Smith, this has been uh, great chatting with you. Very insightful. Thanks for taking the time and sharing your knowledge today.
1: Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: This is Henry Lopez, and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business.
1: Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.